say to us. If you would, please open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, go ahead and uh, look at that bench there in front of you. You can pull one out if you would like to follow along. 2 Corinthians and chapter 5. And so if you would... Uh, follow along today. Uh, Paul has been defending his integrity against the false teachers in this book of 2 Corinthians. He now tells those Christians and us that God is our ultimate judge. Make no mistake about it. God will judge us, all of us, Christians and non-Christians. For Christians, there is a coming time of judgment for rewards or loss of rewards. Every Bible college and seminary, Christian university, they have, they have this classic textbook on Bible prophecy. It is called Things to Come by Dwight Pentecost. It is without a doubt the most comprehensive book on Bible prophecy ever written as far as a single volume. If you would be interested in that, you can order through our bookstore. You can get used copies online. Over 600 pages, yet it only has six pages or 1% devoted to the judgment seat of Christ and future rewards. But God has said so much about this topic. God has given many promises how He will reward us for what we say and what we do. God is very active in giving and withholding rewards both in this life and in the heavenly life to come. So would you please stand with me as I read to you a very clear statement about your future if you are a Christian. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 9, the Apostle Paul says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent... We may be accepted of Him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. May we pray. Our Father, I pray that in these moments together, that you would help each one of us to capture this thought of our accountability to you and that it will impact the decisions we make, the thoughts, the words, the actions we choose, that truly they may be pleasing in your sight. Arrest our attention. May we see Jesus Christ for who he is, the Lord of glory, deserving of our faith and obedience and service. May we love you more because you have chosen to reward us for being co-laborers together with you. Father, we pray if there is one who will not appear before this judgment seat of Christ, may they turn to you today and avoid that great white throne judgment. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A priest and a rabbi... We're standing by the side of the road holding up signs and they, they were waving the signs. The rabbi's sign said, turn before it's too late. And the priest on the other side of the road held up a sign, the end of the road is near. Uh, the first driver yelled at them, get a job. 
Uh, the second, immediately behind the first, yelled, Leave us alone, you religious fanatics! Uh, from around the curve, they heard screeching tires and splash, followed by more screeching tires and another splash. The rabbi looked at the priest and said, Do you think we should try a different sign? The priest replied, Perhaps bridge out might be a better sign. <laughs> As you sit here in the air-conditioned auditorium this morning, standing before God's judgment throne might be the furthest thing from your mind. You have important decisions to make this week. Decisions about college, about work, about finances, decisions about your children's education. I've got to go school shopping. I've got to get the car inspected again. And then you come to church and I give you a piece of paper that says, uh, you're going to have to give an account of your life to God. It's like holding up a sign that says, you better keep God in your thoughts because the end is near. Because the end is near. Sooner or later, we will stand before God. And what I want us to see this morning is how these two verses can help us. I mean how they can really help us with the thousands of decisions we make in our lifetime. A few years ago, I wrote down what I thought were all the major decisions of my life. And there were, there were less than 15 of them. Uh, decisions like choosing to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, getting saved, surrendering my life uh, to the will of God, getting baptized, what college to go to, what major to study, uh, what occupation to choose following college, where to live, having children, choosing to be faithful to God, things like that. You know, when it comes to the decisions making decisions, does it really matter what you do? Does it matter how you choose to live your life? Well, look in your notes with me. You, you make decisions based on, first of all, what we believe. We make decisions on what we believe. We will make decisions based on what we believe in our logic, or we're going to make decisions based on what God says. And so we know that without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So we're going to have to choose, am I going to trust myself or am I going to trust God? We make decisions based on, on who we love. Who do you love most today? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so our decisions are going to be based on, do I love God or do I love myself? Well, we are already born with a love for self, so we'll have to make a choice uh, to love God. And then thirdly, we make our decisions based on how we feel, how we feel. Now, in your notes, you'll see there's no Bible verses to go along with this one. There's a reason. I couldn't find any. Uh, I don't have any Bible verses for this one because this is not the right way to make decisions. But it is true that many of our decisions are made based on how we feel at the moment. King Ahab wanted a vineyard that he couldn't have. He became depressed. He became inward focused. He became a recluse. Queen Jezebel didn't like that. So she orchestrated a plan of lies and had Naboth, the owner of the vineyard, killed, murdered. They based their bad decisions on their feelings. And God didn't like that. And he sent Elijah the prophet uh, to be able to confront them and say, judgment is coming. You're going to die an early, violent death because of your decisions. And the dogs are going to lick your blood. And you know God kept his word. 
He kept his word. It is not wise to make decisions on how we feel. Our character is nothing more than the sum total of all of the thousands of little decisions we make all week long. Now, even if we make the right decisions for the big issues of life, and I said there's about 15 in my life, uh, uh, it's all those little decisions that keep us on track. What do I mean? This is true in every area of your life. It's true of your health. It's true of work and worship and family and friends. We would all agree that for those who are married, getting married is a big decision. But it's all the little decisions that will keep you married. How do you stay faithful every day? How do you stay faithful every day? Well, well, uh, I asked couples to get married to memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 8. So this is the definition of love. And so you want to have a happy marriage, you're going to have to show love God's way. But that is all summarized in one verse, Ephesians 4, 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Works in marriage, works in fa- family with parenting, works in friendships. It, it just works everywhere. Be kind, be tender, be forgiving. These are the little decisions. Uh, keep your mate your best friend. Song of Solomon 2.16. My beloved is mine and I am his. And so it is to be able to keep uh, your mate uh, your best friend. And then refuse to view pornography. Psalm 1013, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. It's these little decisions that keep you on track for the big decision you made. So how can we stay motivated to keep on making the right decisions? How do we stay motivated to keep making the right choices over and over again, day after day? The answer is here. The answer is the judgment seat of Christ. Daniel Webster said, My greatest thought is my accountability to God. My greatest thought is my accountability to God. In this amazing chapter, the Apostle Paul says, Let me tell you how I stay motivated. I am motivated, first of all, because there is a heaven. We saw it last week. To be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. And today he says, I am motivated uh, to stay faithful to Jesus Christ because of my accountability to God at the judgment seat of Christ. He says to these Corinthians, you're judging me, but I want you to know God is the one who's going to judge me. I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ and so will you. And he says to those Corinthians, my conscience is clear. God will be my judge. And oh, by the way, he is going to be your judge too. Look what he says. Verse 9. Wherefore, we labor. This is why we joyfully serve Jesus Christ. Why? Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent. Now, the context is verse 8. Whether our soul is present in the body or our soul is absent from the body, that's not the main thing. Here's the main thing. Verse 9. Whether we are present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. The main goal of life is to please God. That's why we're here. This is the purpose of life, to please God, to give God glory. And so let's do it this way. Let's take a look at some questions and answers about the judgment day. What does God say about judgment day? First of all, the first question is, will will there be a judgment day? The answer is yes. 
Is there coming a judgment day for you and me? And the answer is yes. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, for we must stop. We must. Underline the word must. You do not get a choice to sit this one out. All right? Uh, This is not one that you can opt out of. Christian, you must. You will what? You will appear. The word appear means to be displayed to the all-seeing eye of God. Let me show you that there is a fact of the coming judgment. It is recorded by King Solomon, who wrote in Ecclesiastes 12:14, "For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil." Ecclesiastes 12:14. And then you have the apostle John, "Here it is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment." That's the fill in. The day of judgment. There is a day of judgment for Christians. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Having boldness means some won't have boldness in that day. The writer of Hebrews, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. But the biggest reason I know judgment is coming is because of what the Son of God said. Jesus said, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment to the saved and to the lost, Unto the Son. And so, does God keep track of what I do? Yes. Does God keep track of what I do right and wrong? Yes. What do you think? Well, about four years ago, there was a poll that said, four out of five Americans believed they would give an account to God. They say they believe it, but I would say many certainly don't act like it. God has given a book of Remembrance. In fact, in Malachi, the Bible says this, A book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Malachi 3, verses 16 to 18. So, there is going to be a judgment. Second question, when is the judgment? When is the Bema seat? And it is after the rapture. Revelation twenty two twelve. Behold, I come quickly, Jesus said, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Revelation twenty two twelve. When does it occur? Immediately after the rapture. When will the rapture occur? It's imminent. It could happen in any moment. Uh, we do not have to wait for any more prophetic signs to be fulfilled before it occurs. You saw that rapture video last night. There was an example that it could happen in a church service. And it probably will because wherever it happens, there will be church going on somewhere around the world. And so it could happen today. It could happen in five years or 10 or 20 years. But it's going to happen. And the point is, are you ready when it happens? We learn more on Wednesday nights. I think we have a chart, uh, an end times chart. And so you see, we're currently in the present church age, which has lasted almost 2,000 years. The next prophetic event to happen is the rapture, the catching away of the Christians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Then is the judgment seat of Christ, seven-year tribulation. The return of Jesus Christ uh, to the earth will occur. So who will be judged at the Bema seat? Jesus said... Everyone will stand before the judgment bar of God. The question is not, will you be judged? You will be judged. The question is, which judgment will you stand at? And there are only two choices. Do not confuse the judgment seat of Christ, which is a judgment for rewards, with the great white throne judgment, which is a judgment for sins. On page three of your notes, you'll see a, just a quick comparison 
of these two judgments. The judgment seat of Christ. The time is at the rapture, great white throne, and to the millennial kingdom. Uh, the judgment seat of Christ. The place is in heaven. Great white throne is described before God. Uh, who will appear at the judgment seat? The believers from the church age. Who will appear at the great white throne? All the unsaved. Uh, who is the judge? Jesus Christ uh, in both cases. What is the basis? What are we being judged on? The believer's life, labor, and motives. At the great white throne, everything, the works of one's life. The issue will be rewards for faithful service, not salvation. And the issue will be cast into the lake of fire for those who have even one sin upon their soul. And then you see the references there as well. <coughs> now the word judgment seat is, we, we use the word bema or bema. It is an elevated platform where victorious athletes receive their crowns. Much like the medal stands of the modern Olympics when they get their gold, silver, bronze medals. It was, it was also a, a, a common place where the judge or the uh, pro-counsel uh, met to be able to judge someone for their deeds. And so if you look here, right there in the middle, you'll see a little sign. We're going to do a close above that. This is the actual Bema seat in Corinth. And you can see that there in, in Greece and this ancient ruins of Corinth, uh, there is uh, Bema or Bema. And so this is the judgment seat. And the Apostle Paul literally actually stood in front of this Bema seat in Acts chapter 18 in front of the, the, uh, the, the Roman ruler Galio. And as he heard the charges against the Apostle Paul, he dismissed the charges and they ended up beating Sosthenes, who brought the charges against Paul. Sosthenes ended up uh, getting saved. So this is, this is the picture that Paul is bringing to their minds. They could picture it, and they knew Paul stood before it. But he's not using it for the, in, the, in the judicial sense, for right or wrong. He's using it in this Olympic sense. And they had the Isthmian Games, similar to Olympic Games, where athletes participated. What will we be judged for? Well, let me start with telling you the good news. We will not be given account for our sins. Isn't that good news? Uh, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. You see, Pastor, doesn't the Bible say we're going to be judged for the things that we've done that are bad? Now, the word bad here is not the same word that's used elsewhere in the New Testament for evil, for sin, for iniquities. There are two other Greek words that could have been used to describe sin and iniquity. He chose a different word. And the word that he chose here for bad, it means worthless. Worthless. It means spending too much time on things that do not matter in eternity. They're, they're worthless. It's not that they're evil. They're just, they're just worthless. Let me be clear. 15 minutes in your Bible is more valuable than an hour in the gym. One is worthless, of little worth. Bodily exercise profits a little. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Coming to Sunday night church is more valuable than watching a three-hour ball game. He said, now you're meddling, you're not preaching, all right? Uh, football season just around the corner. One is good, 
one is worthless. In eternity, one receives a reward and the other receives a rebuke, a loss of reward. Christian, you will not be judged for your sins. Amen? Uh, It's good news. My sins were judged at the cross. Every sin, every bad habit, every evil thought, every evil motive, every evil deed is forgiven, washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. My sins were judged to the cross. We just sang. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. All the stain, all the shame is gone as far as the east is from the west. God has buried them in the deepest part of the sea. He's put them behind his back. He remembers them no more. According to 1 Corinthians 6, they have already abandoned. They have turned their back on. They've abandoned the sins of fornication and adultery and homosexuality and idolatry and drunkenness. The most worthless thing we could do as a Christian would be to sin. It would be to sin. That, no reward for that. But in addition, there's all those other things that we do. Shopping. Golf. Bowling. Sports and hobbies. What about those things? What well, depends on how you do them. If you're outside and you're thanking God for His creation, that's good. If you're using those things, if you're shopping to be able to help provide for your family and, and to be able to take care of the needs of others, that's a good thing. So it's how you do the, the mundane things of life. If you do it for the glory of God, there's a reward. If you do it with a bad attitude or for selfishness, there's a loss of reward. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, paid the full and complete price for the wages of your sin and my sin when he died on the cross. He cried out, it is finished, that is paid in full, and your only hope of heaven is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's the only way to heaven. But there is a judgment. The Bible says, the Lord shall judge his people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30. The Lord shall judge his people. Make no mistake about it. You will be judged for everything from the time that you got saved until the time you see Jesus Christ. We will not give an account for our sins. Here's some good news. We will not give an account for others. Aren't you glad you don't have to give an account for your life plus the life of someone else? Uh, When you stand before God, you stand there alone. You're not given account for how someone else lived and worked and dressed or served the Lord. You're not given account of someone else's entertainment or their TV or their sports or their leisure time. This is great news. We don't have to follow each other around to see if, if, uh, if they are doing the right thing all the time. Uh, now, I'm not saying there's not a time uh, and a place to lovingly and humbly confront another Christian who is entangled in sin. Uh, a loving friend helps someone who's fallen spiritually, faithful to the wounds of a friend. And there's a time for that. It's called tough love. Uh, I need it. You need it. Uh, we all need it. But we will not give an account for our sins. We'll not give an account for others. But notice in your notes, we will give an account for ourselves. We will give an account for ourselves. He says, for the things done in his body. Paul said to the Romans, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let me repeat Daniel Webster's quote. My greatest thought is my accountability to God. My greatest thought 
is my accountability to God. You know, maybe for the first time in your life, today, you'll meditate on that moment. You'll picture in your mind's eye, standing before God, giving an account for your life before Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. If it's going to happen, then, well, I want to know what I'm going to give an account for. And so the Bible helps us with that. First of all is the general accounting. The Bible speaks of giving an account of our conduct. Of our conduct. Uh, young people need to remember this verse, Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding, watching, looking, beholding the evil and the good. Jesus tells us to think about, think about standing before God. Think about giving an account before we act, before we speak, before we make a decision. Realize that what I'm about to do has both temporary consequences here, but it has eternal consequences there. I need to ask the question, when I get to heaven, will I be glad I did this? Will I be glad I said this? Or will I regret it? Do you know there will be tears in heaven? There there will be tears in heaven. You say, Pastor, it can't be. It's heaven. Well, if you read your Bible, the Bible says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. He can't wipe away the tears unless there's some tears there. There's going to be some tears at the judgment seat of Christ because of how you and I have chosen to live our lives. We're going to appear before Him with joy or confidence. Our conduct. Notice also our service, uh, our, our works. Jesus said, even a cup of cold water given in my name will not be unnoticed. It shall be rewarded. I mean, the smallest, kindest, littlest act that you will do for someone else, God is looking to be able to reward you for that. Well done, my good and faithful servant, is only said to those who are working for God and working in a good way. Thirdly is our motives. Our motives. God knows why we do what we do. It's so easy to do the right thing for the wrong reason. Uh, But in that day, the greatest judge of the universe will reveal why you and I do what we do. God knows our hearts. God knows when Scott Wendell tries to do his best to be the best pastor he can possibly be. God also knows my sins and he knows my failures. Hey, he knows yours too. Uh, What others see, what others know, what others hear will not count in that day. This is Paul's point to them. His point is, you're following some of these false teachers who are saying these lies about me. But he said, God will be the judge. Now, there's a specific accounting. Uh, There's a specific accounting. And I I want us to see some of the things that we know of. Uh, First of all, bottom of page uh, three there, whether we have lived for the glory of God or pleasing of self. And we'll see this again in verses 14 to 15. Whether we have lived for the glory of God or the pleasing of self. Dr. Ken Collier uh, of the Wilds uh, says just two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. Are you going to use your talents for God? Are you going to use your spiritual gifts for God? Uh, Whatever you can do, do it for God. Whatever you have in your hand, use it for God. 
Every day I make this choice. Will I live today for the glory of God or will I live to please myself? Mark it down. God will note on His records your attendance Sunday morning, August 9, 2015. There is a reward, Hebrews 10, 25, 26, 27, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. God will note on His records your offering for 2015. God will note on His records how you sang praises to His name August 9, 2015. God will note in His records if you came in contact with lost people and you were a positive spiritual influence upon them. Now, we don't count the attendance on Sunday nights. But God does. Number two, whether we have sought the salvation of the lost. In verse 20, we are told that we are ambassadors for God. We're either a good ambassador or we're a bad ambassador. The Great Commission is a command from God to share our faith. We will be rewarded for our public witness. I mean, when you sit down with food, whether it's privately or publicly, when you bow your head to thank God, you're being a public witness, giving tracts, sharing our faith, giving our testimony with family and friends and co-workers, faithfully giving to God. Uh, Being a part of reaching lost people is going to be part of this judgment. Number three, how we use our time. God says, redeem the time because the days are evil. I think it has more application to us than it did 50 years ago. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It is God's will that we use our time wisely. Don't fritter away your life on wood, hay, and stubble. That is straw. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 3, the comparison is gold, silver, precious stones, good works, wood, hay, stubble, the worthless. I want you to know the wood, hay, and straw... They're not bad, they're just temporary. Uh, We build furniture with wood, like this pulpit. We feed cows with hay. Uh, We make bricks out of straw and use it for their bedding, for the livestock. But they have no eternal value. They have no lasting value. So when you think about your life and how you're going to spend your time, uh, limit your TV viewing, your video games, your sports, your hobbies. Keep it in balance. There's an appropriate time for leisure. Jesus took his disciples apart to rest a while, but that's after they were busy serving God. I'm amazed at how many kids, I'm more amazed at how many adults waste away their lives for hours on video games. Control it before it controls you. Don't let sports be an idol. You're given account. Number four, how we have used our money, possessions, and property. Jesus, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And so my house, my apartment, my possessions, my little bank account, it all belongs to God. How about yours? Missionary comes to town. Is your house available? New member joins the church. We had folks join last week from Malaysia, Taiwan, and Vietnam. A new member joins the church. Is your home available to have them in for some dessert and coffee? It's not even too late to invite someone tonight to your home. 
Uh, there's no reason that everybody here uh, cannot invite someone into your home at least every other month. It's called hospitality. The Bible says use hospitality one to another. Uh, I don't mean the same friends over and over again. I mean someone new, someone you don't know. You say, how could I invite someone I don't know over to my home? Well, you look at them and you say, hi, do you like dessert? My house or yours? I mean, it's really, it's really not a complicated thing. And then you get together and you ask a couple questions and in an hour you're going to get to know them really well. But how you use your money, your possessions, your property. Number five, whether we have been faithful in prayer. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 uh, This is the desire of my heart. To pray more and to pray often. Uh, do you have a time to pray? You'll give an account for it. Number six, all the words that we have spoken. <clears throat> Ouch. Jesus said... But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. By the words thou shalt be condemned. Matthew 12, 36 and 37. Do you know that the average person speaks 15,000 words a day? Five million words a year. Too many of them are I, my, me, and mine. A recent study... A recent study of college students. They actually put recorders upon them. And we found that, that the college guys and the college girls are using about the same number of words a day. It didn't used to be like that. I mean, when I was in college, it was like, you know, the guys are way down here. And the girls are way up here. But the way it is today, they're both. Are, now, the girls are ahead, but they're just a little bit ahead. I know you might know some people that might be a lot ahead. 15,000 words a day. That's a lot to give an account for. It's a sobering thought. Every word I have ever spoken, I will give an account for since I have been saved. Recorded. Recorded in God's set of books. I'm talking about every curse word, every time God's name has been taken in vain, every angry word, every threatening word, every sharp, biting, critical, sarcastic word. It's all written down. For the Bema seat, one day you will be rewarded or rebuked for your words. Are your words good? Are your words bad? But also are recorded every time that I've witnessed, every time that I've given a word of encouragement. I know when I walk in that door on Sunday morning, there's an usher up there. He says, Pastor, I want you to know I prayed for you every day this week. I want you to know that every time you say, I love you to that mate, that family member, that friend, it is recorded. I'm praying for you. It's recorded. Every idle word. Think before you speak. Think before you speak because you're going to give an account to God. Number seven, our attitude towards other Christians. Romans 14.10 But why dost thou judge thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Is there some bitterness in your heart? Is there some jealousy in your heart? Is there some anger in your heart? This would be a good day to get rid of it. This would be a good day. The Bible speaks about pulling out the root of bitterness. I mean, just don't get the flowers and the weeds on top. I mean, go down and get the root. Pull that root out. 
because you're going to give an account. You're going to give an account of that attitude you have, whether it be to me, family member, brother or sister in Christ, co-worker, friend. Now, how did you do? How do you feel about these seven specific areas? How will you test under the examination of God's judging eye? I mean, like that athlete, are you going to cross the finish line? Are you ready to stand before the Lord and give an account? Number one, are you living to please God? Number two, are you seeking the salvation of the lost? Are you using your time wisely? Are you investing your money, possessions, and property in heaven? Are you faithful in prayer? Are your words tender, forgiving, and loving? Or are your words angry, bitter, critical, and cursing? Are you in conflict with another believer? If so, why not forgive them today? Why? Because there's an accounting. There's a day of reckoning. This has to do with you and God. Now, let me just share a comparison here of of what 1 Corinthians 3 deals with. Paul's already talked to them about this. He says this judgment seat of Christ is an accounting. And so God is going to look at our, our, our motives Gold, silver, precious stones, the gems. If our motives are wrong, it's going to burn. Not, not fire of hell, the fire, the testing fire. Uh, our service to God or no service to God. I mean, you're going to look at the back of that connection card and say, I do nothing at Valley Forge Baptist Temple. There's no place for me to serve. Oh, look at the card. Look at the back of the card. There's a place for you to serve. Obedience to the commands of God or disobedience. Holy conduct, unholy conduct. I'm, I'm trying to help you and me to prepare for a day we stand before Jesus Christ as Christians. Believe it because it's true. At the judgment seat of Christ, we shall receive a reward or we shall lose reward. The Bible says, lose not those things at that judgment. We receive a reward or we receive a rebuke. Now, listen to what Paul said. It's here in your notes. And yes, I'm like the priest and the rabbi, waving the sign. There's a bridge out. Be careful. Don't go that way. Look what he says. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth, he that plants to his flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sowed through the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Does that stir some emotion in you? It does in me. It's called fear. It's called the fear of the Lord. There's going to be a judgment, a day of accounting, a day of reckoning. Not just for the unbelievers, but for the saved. This is not a mercy seat. This is a judgment seat. And it should be a very sobering thought to you. Don't fool yourself. What you do in this body is going to be judged. Remember the dualism for last week? Those people in Greek said, Oh, you can do whatever you want in your body and your spirit can be holy. No, no, no. He says what you do in your body is going to be judged. This is why God says, Keep thyself pure. In your notes, Can a Christian sin throughout his life and not have consequences? No. No, God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. There's the judgment seat of Christ. May we appear before him with joy and with confidence at his appearing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clear word of God. 
the warning, the challenge, and the encouragement to know that even though we may not be recognized by pastor and friends and family for what we do down here, you will recognize it. You are recording the good. You're recording the service, the conduct. Father, thank you that you will give us the crowns that we can cast at your feet, that all the glory and all the honor might go to Jesus Christ. May you bless now in this invitation. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed, you say, Pastor, I will appear before the judgment seat of Christ because I know that I am a Christian. I am born again. Would you simply raise your hand, hold it up high. You may put your hands down. You say, Pastor, you know, I, I think I'd go to heaven, I hope. But I'm not sure. I don't have that assurance. Maybe you just raised your hand, but you know in your heart you're not sure. God wrote the Bible that you can know for certain that heaven's your home. God has given his son Jesus to die in your place. By receiving that gift today, you can be saved. If you'd like to do that, if the Spirit of God is tapping on your heart, you're convicted of your sin and you want to be saved today, I'll lead you in that salvation prayer. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Simply raise your hand, hold it up high. You can pray with me this morning right there in your seat. Sincerely, you can pray silently. God will hear the prayer of your heart, but it must be earnest, genuine, sincere. Anyone at all, I want to be saved today. I want to be saved today. Christian, may I ask you, are you ready? Are you ready for the judgment seat of Christ? Now, I don't know that any of us could say, I'm completely and totally ready. We can't. Every day is a new day to live for Jesus Christ. But some of you know that if it happened today, you'd be ashamed. You'd be embarrassed. And God has spoken to your heart. God has arrested your attention. Would you meet with him now? Would you meet with him now? Let's all stand together, heads bowed. Eyes closed.